are listening to the Sports Daily. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Good Thursday show for you. We basically have four topics to talk about in this episode. College football playoff. I know we've talked about it, but there's been more discussion about what could be coming. I don't know if I like it. We're going to talk college basketball, in particular, the number one team in the nation before two nights ago. Justin Fields is tired of the trade talk. He wants the Bears to make a decision. And Nick Saban wants to help college football, which I'm all for. We'll get to all that momentarily. This podcast is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline continues to be your number one source for all your basketball wagering needs, including pro and college hoops, throughout the year. With up-to-the-minute odds, stats, and trends, you can follow your favorite team's path to the playoffs with in-game live betting, contests, and all the best player props. Experience the world's best wagering platform any time from your desktop or your mobile devices. Head to Bet Online today to become part of the team. And remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online. The game starts here. Well, we will start. With the college football playoff, we spent a lot of time yesterday going over it. It has been approved, 12-team playoff. The model is going to the 5-7 and seven model, which is top five conference champions get automatic bids, and then the next seven highest-ranked teams are in. There's still going to be a college football playoff committee that gives the rankings every week, but for what we've watched for the last 10 years, all they did was rank the top four, and one played four and two played three, and that was your playoff. Now they are going to rank the top 12. We obviously know that the top four get buys, but then when they release those brackets, it's going to be who's the five seed, who's the six seed, who is the, we, we're going to know what one of those seven, or we're going to know what, you know, a fifth college champ, a college conference champion is going to get in. And look, most likely your top four seeds are going to be the conference champion from the big 12, ACC, SEC, and big 10. It is possible it doesn't happen. We had that one year that I mentioned yesterday that Cincinnati won the AAC undefeated and they were ranked higher than one of the big group of uh, Power Five conferences. So it could happen that an AAC team gets to up to number four in the nation or something like that, number three. It is possible. But most likely your four buys every year are going to be from the four major conferences because there's no fifth major conference anymore. The Pac-12 has dissolved. Well, when they met, it come to find out from people who spoke with those in the room that they discussed a lot of things in that room, including a 14-team playoff. Now, they didn't go into details about what that would entail, but my guess would be cutting the amount of first-round buys from four to two and only the one and two seeds get buys and then three plays 14, four plays 13, five plays 12, uh, six plays 11, seven plays 10, and eight plays nine. And you're basically just saying, we want to add more playoff games. And I understand more games equals more money. But, man, I don't like this idea. I really like the 12. And let's see how it plays out the next two years because it's going to be 12 teams for two years. Then the TV media deal is up, and at, at, at that point, anything else can happen. We don't know what's going to happen going forward after that. But I really like this 12 team. I think it's fair. Top four teams, probably the best four teams in the nation, get a first-round bye. I love the fact that of the remaining games, 5-12, 6-11, 7-10, and 8 playing 9, the 5, 6, 7, and 8 get to host the, the game. It's not a bowl game. I think it will have a bowl attached to it, but it's going to be played on the home field of the lower-seeded team. So I think that's going to be great. 
because now you can have playoff games on home field. And you're going to be like, oh, well, home field advantage. They're going to win. It's just like how many times in college football has a road team won? Like, let's not immediately dismiss. It'll be interesting to keep track. After this year, we're going to have a small sample size. We're going to have four, you know. And then after 2025-2026 season, we'll have eight games to determine how did the road teams do. Is it Was it too overwhelming for them, which I don't think it will be because clearly every year in college football you play a tough road game in front of a tough crowd. But maybe, you know, we, we just have to see it play out. But I don't know about 14 teams, you know, because what is it really – I mean – Seriously, the only reason they would go to 14 teams is to just squeeze two more playoff games out and make some more money. And I understand the sport is about making money, but at some point you have to just stick with a system, I think. They tried the BCS, computers, ranking teams, and numbers were spitting out who was going to play for the national championship. That was dumb. Then they went to, okay, well, let's do this. Actually, let's go backwards. Remember in the 80s and 90s, you literally had sports writers sports writers determining who was your national champion in college football. That was ridiculous. Then they said, okay, let's combine sports writers with computers and we'll get the BCS spitting out who are the two best teams. That seems stupid. Let's play it out on the field. Okay, let's go to a four-team playoff. We liked the four-team playoff. It was good. Ten years. Now, granted, there were a lot of blowouts. We went over all of this during bowl season. There were a lot of blowouts in those ten years and those 20 semifinal games. I think 14 of them were decided by – um, double digits or two touchdowns or more, something like that. So we didn't have the most competitive games, but on paper they look great. And But now you're going to get really good matchups, and I think you're going to get some really, really good games. So I'm all for it. I don't need to squeeze two more games out of it. You know, I understand that a team could get hot, but is anybody going to be clamoring for the 13th or 14th seed to, oh, they're getting screwed, we need to add them in? I don't know, probably not. Yeah, if you finish 13th in the nation or 14th in the nation, you're going to get screwed out of the next two years of the playoffs. But that doesn't mean we need to add you because then if we did that, it's like, okay, well, the 15th and the 16th teams in the nation that were right there trying to get in at 13 and 14, now they're screwed. So now do we have to extend it two more? It's just it's going to keep going on and on. It's like, let's just keep it at 12. I like it. Maybe it'll play out next year and I'll be like, this absolutely sucked. But I just don't see how it sucks. It's more good college football games. And I told you about that weekend. November, uh, October, November, October, January 9th through 13th of 2025 is going to be outstanding. Thursday night, you're going to have one semifinal college football playoff. Friday night, the other semifinal college football playoff. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, three, Monday, three straight days of wild card football in the NFL. Like that is going to be a smorgasbord, smorgasbord of playoff football. We've never had five days in a row of playoff football. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I really don't. I just know that come Monday, even though we'll still have one NFL wildcard playoff game that still hasn't been played, I'm going to have so much content and so much material to talk about with so many games over the weekend. So looking forward to that. Looking forward to Monday, January 13th, 2025 Sports Daily. <laughs> Only about 11 months away. All right, let's talk about college basketball because... I don't know if you noticed this, but I just jinxed another team. So last week, I'm telling you about Indiana State, and I'm blowing all the smoke up their ass. First time ranked since the Larry Bird era, and what do they go do? They go 0-2 for the week. They lose a home game as a 17-point favorite by 13, and then they go on the road and they lose to SIU as a 6-point favorite. They lose by like 5 or something. So what did I do on Tuesday? 
I told you, hey, man, this UConn team looks really good. They're number one in the nation. They only have two losses. They just pounded the fourth-ranked team in the nation, Marquette. And I'm like, who's going to beat UConn again? All the pundits are saying this team might be better than last year's team. And then what they do on Tuesday night, they went out and got absolutely steamrolled at Creighton. Creighton's a good team. They're a top-20 team in college basketball. But you didn't expect UConn to play like that because they were down by over 24 points. They cut it to 10, but then never got closer than that. They basically got rolled. That game was never close, and I feel like it was never close because earlier that day I said, this UConn team is awesome. (laughs) It's the way I look at it. I'm now jinxing teams. Any team I like just seems to play like dog shit in their next game. But you know what? It's almost expected because how many times have we seen this? A team looks great one game, they read all the press clippings, and then the next game they go out and lay an egg. So maybe I should be looking at that, and maybe you should be looking at that as kind of a betting advantage. Who played a really good game? Who really looked good? And then if they go on the road the next game and the line looks really wonky, it's like, wait a second, they just beat this good team at home by 25, and now they're four-point favorites on the road? I mean, that line should have screamed to you after everything I said on Tuesday about UConn, of what they did to Marquette on Saturday and how they pummeled them and made them look pathetic. They were a a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Creighton. Everybody and their mother was on UConn. I think it jumped to three, and they were basically getting steamrolled the whole game. Like... So maybe that's what you look for. You look for those lines. We kind of see it sometimes in college football and the NFL where it's like, oh, my gosh, this team looked so good last week. Isn't this number kind of weird? Now they're only laying one and a half on the road. They just beat so just almost it's maybe it's just an automatic play on whoever looked really, really good. And everybody's talking about the very next game. You just bet against them. Don't even look at the opponent. Don't look at the number. Just bet the opponent and just cross your fingers because I think more often than not you're probably going to win that bet all right let's talk some NFL in particular Justin Fields he went on Amon Ra St. Brown and Equinemius St. Brown the St. Brown Brothers podcast I'm assuming it's Amon Ra and Equinemius but I haven't listened to it let's just say it's the St. Brown Brothers podcast that's the name of it and he went on there and he basically had to respond because he stopped following the Bears and the NFL account on Instagram. I mean, what are we what are we dealing with? Is this like The Bachelor? People unfollow and unfollow friends and everybody freaks out. He unfollowed it, so he had to answer for it. And he said, why do people take social media so serious? I still mess with the Bears, this and that. I'm not trying to take, I'm just trying to take a little break. I unfollowed the Bears in the NFL. I'm not just trying to have football on my timeline. It's something that I don't want to see on my timeline. I'm about to go on vacation. I don't want to see no football. And guess what? The social media discourse is either keep fields, we want fields, it's either draft Caleb Williams, I'm tired of hearing the talk, I just want it to be over. And this is where the Bears are at right now. The Bears have the number one pick in the draft, even though they went 7-10 and 10 this year. Why? Because when Carolina traded up to get the number one pick last year so they could draft Bryce Young, they gave the Bears their number one pick in 2024. Well, whoever thought that Carolina moving up to get the number one pick in the draft would end up with the worst record in the NFL the following year. So that pick is now the Bears. They own the number one pick in this year's draft. And we know it's a very 
quarterback top-heavy draft. Caleb Williams, Drake May, Jaden Daniels. The consensus is Caleb Williams is the best quarterback in the draft, and the Bears have to decide. Justin Fields is three years in. This year was this last year was his best year, even so record-wise, they won seven games. He's been in the league three years. Do you stick with him and just keep your number one pick and add somebody? Maybe a Marvin Harrison Jr. goes number one. Or do you take that number one pick since you're not going to use it on a quarterback if you decide to keep Justin Fields and move down and improve your team even more and get more players to add to your team? Or do you trade Justin Fields and use the number one pick on one of the quarterbacks, most likely Caleb Williams? That's what the Bears are deciding. Their general manager, Ryan Pohl, said, I think Justin got better this year. I think he can lead this team. But at the same time, there's a unique situation where I have to look and our staff has to look at everything, and that's exactly what we're going to do. Fields said, of course I want to stay in Chicago. I can't see myself playing in another place. But if it was up to me, I would want to stay in Chicago. I love the city. The city's lit. Fans are great. And the people, it's a business. I ain't got no control over it. Whatever happens, happens. I think the biggest thing with all this going on right now, I just want it to be over. Like, just let me know if I'm getting traded. Let me know if I'm staying this and that. Well, it's not that easy because there's dates and when the season, when the new NFL season starts and whatever. So he's probably not going to know for at least another month what they decide to do. But, you know, there's a team out there. Atlanta would take him probably. That's the rumor. If he does get traded, that's where he's going to go. It's where he's from. He did have some choice words for people hitting up up for tickets. He said Atlanta would be tough. The only con going back home is just people hit my phone up crazy wanting tickets to the game. But they got a lot of playmakers on the team. Bijan, they got my boy Kyle Pitts. Then, of course, Drake London, too. They probably need one more receiver, but they've definitely got some guys over there, and the defense was good this year, too. So he's very well aware that if he does get traded, that's probably a team that would be very interested in his services. Here's the deal. I've watched Justin Fields for three years. I'm not a guy that sits down and breaks down tape. I leave that to Bob Sturm. And Bob Sturm is my leader when it comes to stuff like that. I don't know what Bob Sturm's take on the Bears and Justin Fields is. Maybe I should ask him. But for me, just looking on the outside, I think three years is enough. I think he's proven that he's not good enough and to build a team around. He has some great games. Sometimes he absolutely looks fantastic running the football, but as a consistent thrower of the football, something we know a team in the NFL to succeed has to have. you got to be able to complete 65 to 70% of your passes. You just have to. And Justin Fields, for three years, isn't anywhere near there. You could say, oh, it's the coaching. Oh, it's offense coordinators at three and three years, whatever the case may be. I'm sorry, but we've seen him play and we've seen him throw the ball. I don't think he makes great decisions. To me, I would take a chance and start over with a rookie. You could be like, yeah, but it's a rookie. You don't know how it's going to go. Yeah, you don't. But look at what happened last year. Everybody said, well, it's the big debate. C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young? And a lot of people were like, no, Bryce Young, solid. You're never going to get, you know, you're never going to have a bad season with that guy. He's really kid. And they went, what, 2-15? and 15? And how many times did we come here on Monday on the Sports Daily and say, gosh, Bryce Young looked terrible out there. I understand his offensive line sucks, doesn't have a lot of weapons. The coach is asleep at the wheel. Frank Reich was terrible. But, my gosh, he just didn't – he didn't come across as very much of a leader when I watched him play. And then you see C.J. Stroud, who ended up, you know, getting taken second, and all of a sudden 
this guy is one of the best rookie seasons we've ever seen, and he looks the part of a guy that you can build a team around. So just kind of let me say, like, baseball playoffs are witchcraft. NFL draft, honestly, is witchcraft as well. Nobody really knows who's going to pan out. You know, there's been so many teams, so many players over the years where it was like, oh, this guy is a lock to be a solid pro, and he's absolutely stunk. And there's other people that are just like, I just don't see it with that guy, and he's been absolutely awesome. So, you know, you can you can X and O it to death. You also don't know once these guys get to the league, how driven are they? Did they just want to get there, you know, for the longest time? You know, there, remember the debate about Johnny Manziel? I mean, if you watch the doc, we remember it because we were shown clips of what people were saying about then. Skip Bayless, very, very – well, he's not really respected in the industry because he's a clown show. But there were a lot of people. They showed a lot of clips when Johnny Football was coming out of college the saying, if you pass on this guy, you're passing on a franchise quarterback. And he was an absolute fucking disaster. He was a disaster on the field, and he was a disaster in his personal life. So don't tell me everybody knows everything coming out of the draft. You can say, I think this, I think that, but you don't know anything. I want to see, you know, that's why I like people like Bob Sturm who take the time. They're not just saying stuff for clickbait. I know Bob watches film, and I respect anybody who watches film because I'm not going to do it. I'm not paid to watch film, so Bob is. (laughs) I'm not paid to do it. So if I was, then I would watch film. But I respect and I will hold I will hold those people's opinions higher than anybody else who doesn't watch film. It doesn't mean they're going to be right all the time, but I know they're going to have a better understanding of what's going to happen and how things could play out for certain players. I can't wait to have Bob on again. We're going to have him probably as we get close to the draft because I said he's doing a 60-part series of the top 60 players in the draft and doing a breakdown of all of them with videos on his Substack. If you have not subscribed and you are a football nerd, you absolutely have to subscribe to Bob's Substack, um, bobsturm.substack.com. It is awesome. And I think I'm getting one like every day in the email about the top 60 players and breakdowns and stuff. But right now he's on like offensive linemen. And I'm skimming those because I'm just I'm not that much of a nerd. I want I can't wait till we get to his breakdown of Caleb Williams and Drake May. And Jaden Daniels. Um, Drake May is the one for me in terms of that's the one that I have a question mark on. I think Jaden Daniels is going to be a good pro. I think Caleb Williams is going to be a good pro. I have question marks about Drake May, so I'm interested to see what Bob has to say. But, uh, yeah, if you're interested in that, go check that out. But Justin Fields, to me, if I'm Chicago, and this is just me, my opinion, I think they should let him go. I think they should try and go for one of the young kids. I don't think Justin Fields is a guy you build your team around. Just my opinion. And finally, Nick Saban talked about the fact that he wants to help college football. There's a lot of mumblings and rumblings inside the college football world that would like to see Nick Saban become a college football, the commissioner of college football, because he cares about the sport. And he really said some interesting things when he was talking about it. And, you know, you couldn't, you can't disagree with this. And I think, you know, when we talk about NIL, I think one of the things that Nick Saban said was like, look, it doesn't make any sense because what these guys are doing now and the and the things that they're getting paid for now has nothing to do with NIL. He said like he's all for players earning money based on their NIL, their name, image, and likeness once they get on campus. But he said like what you have now isn't name, image, and likeness. 
a collective has nothing to do with name, image, and likeness. It's just a college that gets a bunch of donors to donate a bunch of money. They put it all in a collective, and then they just disperse it about their college football team. And that's what the collective is. You've heard that word being thrown around a lot the last couple of years. The collective. That's not NIL. NIL was supposed to be, okay, if you come to our, you know, you come to college now when they signed this deal, it was just like, now you can make money as an athlete because you couldn't do that before as a scholarship athlete. Now you can. You can make it off your name, image, and likeness, whether or not you did a commercial for a local car dealership, you sold jerseys, you, you can get online and start your own merch line be, of your name, and, you know, that was great. That's what we wanted. Players wanted to get paid. But that's not what NIL has become in college football. It's just been who has the biggest collective that can sign the players for the most amount of money. And players are just like, well, I'm interested in your school, but what can you pay me? That's not what this college football should be about. But that's what it's turned into. And that's where Saban wants to step in and says, we got to change this. I also think one of the things they need to change, obviously I've talked about this numerous times, is the transfer portal and the timing of the transfer portal. You can't have 30 days in December of the transfer portal and then not until April 15th through 30th, the second transfer portal opening, because coaches that leave after that 30-day portal are screwed, just like three of our four teams that competed in the semifinals for the national championship lost their coaches. Michigan lost Jim Harbaugh to the pros. Washington lost Kalen DeBoer to Alabama and Alabama lost Big Saban and ended up getting Kalen DeBoer. So when a coach leaves, the portal now opens up again, meaning any of those players can now have 30 days to enter their name into the portal and transfer. But the portal is already closed in terms of who you can pick up. So Kalen DeBoer leaves Washington, and there's a mass exodus of Washington players now after the season is already over that are now going to other schools, and Washington can't pick up anybody in the portal because the portal is closed for bringing in new players unless Washington went after all the Michigan players that went in the portal and they're all just swapping, but that's not what happened. Boston College lost their head coach. He decided to go become the defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers. So now Boston College's transfer portal opens up for 30 days. I guess if Alabama and Washington and Michigan want to poach Boston College players, they can, but they're probably not going to because Boston College is a mid-major in college football world they're not. I can't imagine many players are good enough to play at Alabama and Michigan and Washington. So it's just a giant clusterfuck. I wish they would change it. I wish they would fix it. Maybe Nick Saban will be that guy one day to do it. I hope so because I, I think the world of the guy, and I, I, the, the way I hear every time I've heard him in an interview and speak, he's so well-versed, and he really is looking out for the best interest of the kids. And you just never hear a lot of former players of him ever say a bad word about him. Like, yeah, he may seem like a tyrant and he never smiles, but when he, that's when he's on the sideline. Every time I've seen him in an interview, I learned something new from him talking football. And he's very, very smart about the business of college football. So I hope he gets some role in that. We know he's joining college game day next year. Maybe he can get an even bigger role than that. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. Please follow me on Apple Podcasts. Also rate and review. You remember, you got to hit play. It's not good enough for it just to download into your feed. So please do that. Tell your friends about it. The Daily Roundup was posted an hour ago. Podcast number 379 with uh, Bachelor Data on Instagram. Her name is Susanna Summers. She's a great, great follow on Instagram if you're into statistics and stuff like that. She's basically the Bachelor version of sports statistics. It's awesome. 
first one to do it. A lot of people are copying her now, but she was the first of her kind to actually do this. And it's some fascinating, fascinating statistics on The Bachelor world and reality TV in general. So thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And remember, sports will always be the greatest reality show on television. See you.